You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. My special guest today is Dr. Paul Hertel. He's been on the show numerous times. You can find him on Instagram at Dr. Paul Hercule. Today, we're going to be talking all about neuro fatigue, brain fog, cognitive issues, etc., and the role that diet, gut health, inflammation, hormones, uh, and all that play into it. <laughs> Someone's asking us now. All of the above. Do, do, do we have matching beards for the live stream? Yeah, we plan that. Yeah, yeah. We always have matching beards. I think that's uh, that's why. Um, Dr. Herkel is a board-certified naturopathic doctor with a passion to apply innovative and evidence-based nutritional, biological, and supplemental interventions to address underlying metabolic, endocrine, and immunological dysfunctions. Dr. Herkel has a special interest in neurological health, chronic pain, and brain injuries. Strong, He's a strong advocate of integrative medical education frequently writing and lecturing to both healthcare practitioners and public audiences. He lectures extensively on the topic of integrative and natural approaches to concussion and neurotrauma recovery. He is a member of the Scientific Advisory Board of Complete Concussion Management, an international leader in research-based concussion management education certification. Former, I believe, former medical director of AOR. Yep. Yep. Former. Yep, former. and uh, also he has a clinical practice in Toronto and he is also the co-founder of the concussion fix program and we'll talk yeah, about yeah. it we'll, we'll 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 get into that a little bit for sure as well so there's new? a major reason why we did that you know like it's, we're going to touch on that but um, basically everything you just read is is culminated in how do we spread the word man how do we really get the information out about helping people feel better in in getting better from their concussion getting better from their recovery so i'm I'm excited to talk about this because i think that's one of my passions is we need to get the information out about how to get people better from this it's amazing actually how um you know now that we're just we're just chatting about it now but it's amazing that this you know online kind of program um you know just teaching people how to do these these very you know simple basic things uh and just like what a profound uh, effect it has on people just especially when it comes to neuro the the whole fatigue recovery and 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 other cognitive issues it seems like the diet piece just is the thing that people are like man like it just completely you know wipes them out mm-hmm. so it's uh it's it's gonna be good to kind of talk about it so what's new i feel sure. like we haven't chatted in a while we haven't uh Really uh, grinding with patients, lots of patients, um, which is which has been great. Really, um, really trying to help as uh, as many people as possible. And so, uh, I think that this whole last two years has been very trying on a lot of people's health, but at the same time has kind of forced them to start looking outside of the conventional box in a lot of ways because they're sim- very simply their doctor's office was shut for a lot of time. And a lot of times they still can't get back in to see their doctor. So um, I think part of them is uh, part of that has been a, a really good thing for naturopathic doctors. Um, but uh, also the other thing is telemedicine is absolutely blown up. And so that's been another big way that I've been able to reach out to people that normally I can't access. Um, so that's are been, you, that's been really good. Are you all virtual now or? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I would say 
60-40. I'm, I'm yeah, 60% virtual and 40% still in person. There's still a, a bunch of old school people, like, you know, the ones that would like pen and paper at conferences, they're like writing these out. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit like that too. Like there's just a rapport that you have when you sit with a patient that you you can't get virtually but we 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 do our best um and so both are very uh, are very effective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean that's the benefit of i guess what you do versus like cairo it's like i can't treat people yeah actually. you, ha- you have, to have to i have put to your put hands. my hands on i have to put my hands on yeah. um so uh how's the uh, ccmi naturopathic concussion course going uh <laughs> let's not talk about that uh, i yeah it's uh my patients are coming priority how about we'll put yeah, it at that yeah 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 i just like to put pressure on you every time i see you um okay yeah, so I, let's... the pressure is never higher than what i put on myself man but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. i hear you uh all right well let's 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 get let's into the uh, topic at hand here so um let's i guess frame it in uh, um, a variety of different ways. I, I want to kind of frame it from an inflammatory gut health perspective, but also a uh, hormonal perspective, because I figure that probably weighs into some of this stuff as well. And then, and then kind of the overlap on that. So we'll talk about, you know, cognitive um, issues as a whole, because I think neurofatigue and cognitive issues can kind of tie in together mm. uh, in many ways. Um, and so, Let's let's just first getting into you know how common is neurofatigue following concussion? How often do you see it uh, in your patients? Um, and do you consider neurofatigue, brain fog, you know, cognitive memory impairments to be along the same spectrum or you know two sides of the same coin? I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, I it's a really good question because it's probably one of the most common symptoms that at least I see with my patients. Um, I think that anybody listening to this that has had a concussion in the past knows that um, their energy was changed after they hit their heads. Um, they're usually their, their energy goes down quite a bit. And there's a, a lot of different reasons that, that that happens right after a concussion. So I think first important thing is to distinguish what happens after an acute concussion versus what I see with my patients is not acute concussions, even though I wish they were, but because uh, there's a lot of great things you can do from a metabolic perspective to really speed up that recovery. And I also believe not allowed to go down the post-concussion syndrome route. Um, and so I think that there is a, there's a different set of reasons for what happens in PCS, which is that kind of catch-all phrase that we use for the dysfunction people experience months and years after. And then those are the people that I usually see, Cam, the ones that, you know, they've tried a bunch of different things. Because the reality is, is that most of the time people hope that they just get better after they hit their head. And, you know, they usually don't go see a naturopathic doctor for that. Um, They don't even think about that their nutrition or that their hormones have anything to do with any of that. Until they start realizing, geez, it's been three months and I still don't feel any better than I did. And that's when hopefully the wheels should start turning after about a month or so for for everybody listening. So if you know somebody that's had a concussion, definitely get the information out. But even just for information for yourself, the sooner the better of any type of treatment. And I think this is what's something that you rail on all the time is that we just generally, and I looked at a comment here in in the Instagram chat, it's like, if you under recovered or, or did nothing for 
months, you know, can, can that have a negative impact and can you get better? Yes, it has a negative impact. The research is clear and yes, you can still do things to get better. But um, anyways, I just want to differentiate those two things is that um, initially there's a mitochondrial dysfunction that happens, which is basically the power plants inside of your cells. If you boil it down, Cam, when you're talking about fatigue, it basically is the ability for your brain, your neurons and even at the level, at the microcellular level, is your mitochondria to produce energy. And then that energy currency is called ADP. And that basically is impaired in acute concussion. Now, fast forward that into PCS. Now there's many things that can impact that. And the, um, the approach, since you, know, you kind of brought it up, the approach in the acute phase versus the chronic phase, if we do the right things early, we may be able to mitigate that effect. And in the chronic phase, do you look at this as a ongoing mitochondrial impairment or do you, or is that just one of the factors? I know that you said there's, there's, there's many things. There are, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I tend to, in my mind, separate the two from like mitochondrial to, to then beyond that. Um, what do you like, how, how do you see that distinguishing or do you consider mitochondrial dysfunction to be potentially present even in the PCS? It's definitely present in PCS. I will say that. Um, and you know, just a caveat, you know, a lot of times, critics will say, well, you know what, there's no research on that. You know, there, there is research if you look at it uh, and it's not as robust as I think we want it, but definitely from a mechanistic perspective, there's no doubt in my mind. Oh, um, I'm glad you asked this question because it's going to allow us to kind of really set the stage of what's happening here. So think of the mitochondria as your energy power plants. I already said that, but then there's multiple factors that are causing the mitochondria to become dysfunctional and not produce enough ATP and energy. It's pretty one-dimensional after a concussion, but then in PCS, now you have multiple things that are now factoring in. So let's go through some of them. So for example, um, after PCS, we know that it's a combination of a, a very rapid inflammatory response that ha happens locally, as well as um, excitoneurotoxicity that happens. And if you don't know that word, that's something that basically can be summarized as a whole lot of let's try to maintain the cellular structure, the neural function, and then it just basically taps out your whole energy supply. Uh, and also there's a big thing to do with what's called uh, uh, basically electrolyte gradient, which is to do with calcium rushes in to your cells. And now the cells are trying to pump that out because normally for function, you need, you need a proper gradient. You can't spit an ATP out of the mitochondria if you have too much calcium inside your cell, because there's this um, electrochemical gradient that has to happen. So that's the acute situation that happens. But when you start pulling it out more towards, you know, a month, two months, two years out, now you're, start now you're starting to look at things like, are you have any deficiencies of, of nutrients? So for example, one that I find is super common, Cam, is iron deficiency. So uh, with all my patients, we run a complete metabolic workup looking for some of these deficiencies. And you'd be surprised how many people have a low grade iron deficiency. And when you don't have enough iron, you can't transfer oxygen into any of your cells, including your brain cells. And so we know anemia is a big problem because it is, uh, it's something that we know is a well-known cause of fatigue. So that has to be assessed, tested, and then treated. 
There could be other reasons. For example, B12. A lot of people know that B12, you could be very fatigued if you have lack of B12. And that, again, has to do with cellular machinery. That has to do with ability for your metabolism to function. Um, multiple levels, again, production of neurotransmitters. Um, and so those are two of the main, most common deficiencies that I notice when it comes to, again, we're just talking about fatigue and, and, and mitochondrial function here. There are many other ones. I don't know if you wanted to comment on that, but I can, I can keep going and I don't want to be a rambler. Yeah, yeah no, no. I think that, I mean, I, I, I definitely want to come back to specific deficiencies that people should be on the, on the lookout for uh, with respect to, you know, getting blood work done and things that they should be asking their doctor for in terms of labs. Um, Cause I think that's important. A lot of patients don't really have guidance, right? They're going to their GP who has very limited knowledge on concussion. They keep telling them to rest and do nothing, which is not what you want to improve metabolic health. Um, you know, and so it's, it's very counterproductive, but unfortunately that's kind of the, the pill we've been dealt. I think that the way mainstream medicine looks at, um, you know, everything is through the lens of providing, um, a pill and telling people to stay off it. You know, you hurt your leg and they go, well, just stay off of it rather than recommending rehabilitation, sure. which is actually what you need. You need active loading. You need, you know, progressive loading. You need, you need a, you need a program in place, but oftentimes, you know, same thing happens, I think in, 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 in this world where, you know, people come in, they do a standard, you know, blood panel. They don't necessarily dig in on it. And then they just tell them, yeah, concussions take time. <laughs> actually funny story. I just thought of this, this, this kid in Peterborough. So we had a, we have a clinic in Peterborough, this kid in Peterborough, um, uh, was had a, had a pretty significant injury, had like pupillary dilation on one side and had some significant effects, went and saw six different physicians and everyone just kept telling her it takes time, it takes time, it takes time. And they went up, they, they came into one of our clinics and uh, our guy looked at it and was like, you need like some serious, like advanced stuff right now. Got uh, like stat neuro and, and um uh, op ophthalmology appointment and they were like immediately told to transfer to sick kids asap and there's all these oh, wow. like, yeah there's like so i think that things just get dismissed when it comes to concussion because they there's for not sure really a lot of a lot of education on it and so um there also aren't really a lot of tools cam like when you think about it like put yourself in like a, a medical doctor's shoes like mm -hmm. i actually just had a neurologist rotate through our clinic because we're part of a teaching clinic and um this gentleman was a neurologist and they were like blown away with some of the basic things when it comes to concussion, what we were talking about. Uh, and at least there was a lot of interest on, on their part. But the reality is, is that let's say a, per, a person presented like that with fatigue, with brain fog, all these symptoms, and they're, they're going to be like, keep resting. Like that's literally the only tool in their toolbox. Like they can refer you to physio, um, the Cairo, assuming that they've already probably done that. If, if they even do that, um, they might try some, you know, I've had some patients get on, you know, amphetamine. So typical things like Adderall, if you're really tired, that's one thing that, you know, you might be given an antidepressants. Another one, they might chalk it up to like, Oh, you're just anxious. So that's probably why you're tired. You're just depressed. That's a really common one. And neurochemistry does play a role, but what's the underlying reason you're depressed uh, and, and you're experiencing these moods? It, it may not be actually just what we consider major depressive disorder. There's actually other reasons why that can be the case. And also just FYI, the major underlying issue now with depression and that is coming out in the literature is inflammation as being the cause of depression. Mm -hmm. That's like a very common thing that... Um, that should every that every medical doctor should know. And what do you do for inflammation, which mm -hmm. is a lot of what we do talk about with diet and, and exercise. So um, 
a sneak peek. I'm glad you mentioned the exercise piece because <clears throat> for anybody that's listening, just to give you kind of like a little um, sneak sneak peek of what we're going to talk about, exercise is one of the best ways to get your energy back, even though you feel like you can't and you don't have enough energy right now. It is mitochondrial therapy. Mm-hmm. You're trying to reestablish um, mitochondrial function. It's like working out, not just at a muscular level, but actually at a cellular level cam, which I know, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, it's one of the, it's, I mean, it's been proven throughout the literature. That it's one of the best forms of, of rehabilitation for reducing concussion symptoms across the board, not even just fatigue, but like, if you think about what it's doing, it's, you're basically challenging your system. And so what does your body do? It, it, it adapts to mm-hmm. challenge. It, it, it adapts to challenge and it helps to you know, get your circuitry working better. And if it's, you know, so it's, it's, it, it's definitely um, counterintuitive to the conventional thought, which is why I think it's still being met with not even resistance. I just think it's just a lack of awareness so far, right? Exactly. It takes, yeah, it takes I agree. 15 years for things to make it into the, for things that are in the literature to make it into common practice. And so, you know, 15 years from now, people will be recommending it, but right now they're currently not. And so that's why, that's why we do this. That's why I do this, you know, podcast. That's why we try to train clinicians to be able to, uh, to help kind of push things along. I see a ton of questions rolling in on the uh, chat over here. So we'll, we'll get mm. into those kind of later. So I just want to know, just, just keep pumping them in. That's fine. We will try to get to them uh, at the end. If, even if we don't, this is a good question though. Uh, can I answer this one here? Cam? Yeah, because, um, Quinn's asking, isn't iron and B12 deficiency a common issue in North America? How do you determine their relationship with concussion? That's a good question. And it's just relevant to what I just mentioned. Remember, we're going to kind of go through like a spokes of a wheel at one of some of the things that are causing uh, fatigue and we'll to get to brain fog in a bit. Um, That's a very specific type of fatigue that's uh, uh, related to the brain. But I did already just mention as the first spoke being deficiencies in nutrients. So how do we know it's connected to the concussion? We're not saying that it happened because of the concussion. I want to be clear about that. It usually is that because a concussion happens, it always exposes an underlying metabolic weakness. You might have been already low-grade iron insufficient, for example. So this is a very common thing. When you test for iron, you test for a marker called ferritin. That's the most common way that iron's measured. It's the most accurately clinically relevant marker. And you, the worst case scenario of iron deficiency is that you become anemic, but you don't have to become anemic, Cam, to get the symptoms of iron deficiency. There, this is one of the issues with conventional medicine is that they operate in very black and white situations. Like either you are anemic or you're not. No, what about having low iron stores. And if you have a ferritin that's below 40, but it's not at five where your anemia and your red blood cells start becoming malformed, that's what happens. So you can still get symptoms with ferritin levels being suboptimal. So it's not that the concussion necessarily caused that. It could have changed your eating patterns. It could, we know, changes your intestinal permeability and changes your ability to absorb certain nutrients because of inflammation. We've The research is, is, is emerging on that. But um, what we do know is that they are obstacles, Quinn, to you getting better. So it's about identifying, treating, optimizing those so your brain has an, a, an environment that it can actually heal itself in and deliver oxygen function. Hopefully that makes sense. Cam, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think that um, basically what you're saying is like most medicine has, you know, kind of ranges that they operate on. And 
you know, I think it takes a more advanced approach or knowledge base to go, yes, it's within, you know, typically the quote unquote normal range, but it's not optimal, right? You're, you're still could be below function and how these things interact with each other could paint a clinical picture from somebody who's, you know, more knowledgeable, um, you know, with, with respect to those readings. And I think that's where sure. that's, that's the main differentiator. Cause a lot of times, you know, they're just looking at that. Well, you're within the range of normal, so everything's fine, but that may not be the case. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so there's, there's patterns you can pick up in blood work that will tell you, yeah, you know what, you're like trending towards that. And that's a lot of what I do with my patients is that we obviously want to pick up the frank deficiencies and the imbalances, but sometimes it's more subtle than that. Uh, and, and that's a very common thing, especially in more developed countries is that you're not going to get major deficiencies like with iron, you know, if you have celiac disease, if you've had any sort of bariatric surgery, if you have some sort of intestinal inflammation, if you're a vegan, like there's common presentations of why you'd be iron deficient. Uh, excess blood loss is the obvious one, heavy periods, uh, microscopic bleeding in your gut. Like there's a lot of reasons. I just can tell you for my patients, it's a common thing we find. And that is if you can't deliver oxygen to your tissues, forget about you trying to exercise to try to heal. Like you're going to feel tired all the time. Mm -hmm. So it is a big obstacle that we try to address and treat. So that's, I would say the first spoke of identifying and treating an underlying fatigue issue in a, in a more chronic PCS patient. So let's, let's just go down that train then. Let's, 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 let's talk more about that spoke. So we're going to, you're, you say iron, um, and so what else should somebody who's just, you know, has neuro fatigue, they're thinking about it. I mean, I think we can take an overarching view to say, here's the spokes. Like, I mean, first you want to look for any underlying, you know, uh, deficiencies that are, you know, overt deficiencies you need to be kind of addressing first and foremost. Secondly, I think there's an activity spectrum to this is what, what are you doing for activity? Are you actually loading? Are you actually exercising? Are you sitting around doing nothing all day? I think that's a component. And then the other part parts, and I, and you can, you can kind of add to this if, if I miss any, but uh, inflammation being one, and I think gut health and, and all of that gut brain access stuff that I think we can, we can kind of address as one spoke as well. And then, and then hormones. Um, and is there, is there anything else that, that you'd add uh, just as an yeah. overarching spoke? I would say like, I probably break apart inflammation and then also gut health into two separate things. Cause there's, there's such a big, like they are very intimately connected uh, at, at one kind of, if you have digestive in, um, and, and at the level of the, of the lining of your gut permeability, you're going to have more systemic inflammation. That's actually the cycle that happens after concussion. Um, you know, we have so now early models showing that you know, you're going to get intestinal permeability within a couple hours after sustaining your brain injury. Well, that might be helpful short term to help improve the healing because the idea is try to increase inflammation markers and, uh, and chemicals to try to promote healing and repair. The issue with a lot of people is that's great in the short term, but what if you can't turn it off? Because you, again, for multiple reasons, but it might be that you've had an underlying microbiome problem to start and that microbiome regulates your intestinal lining. So that's another thing I deal a lot with my patients is that you might have a def you might have an issue uh, because of another condition could be uh, an inflammatory condition like Crohn's that was um, that was under the surface that you didn't know about. You might have had another thing like, um, for example, food sensitivities that you were just able to deal with 
your whole life. But, you know, I've just kind of like accepted that gas and bloating was a normal part of my day. I kind of get reflux once in a while. You know what? I kind of just feel like really like mucusy or if I eat a really crappy meal, I'm going to feel really, you know, bad, but then it kind of goes away. But as you get older and then if you have a trauma, like a concussion, it exposes some of these things. Plus it makes your immune system less tolerant and your immune system now is dealing with a major kind of stressor, it can, it can kind of trigger it into creating more. So some people will come in and say, you know, Dr. Herkel, now after a concussion, I feel like my gut's just blown up and I'm, I can't eat anything or I'm sensitive to so many things when before I, I was okay, I didn't have an issue. So this is like exposes underlying problems, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a common one I, I see with people. It's like that, they, can't, they can't eat anything now. Everything kind of bothers them you know, when it never did before, they have a lot mm -hmm. of, you know, gas and bloating and just intestinal discomfort. Um, and kind of right away, I'm just going, okay, I'm, you know, I'm sending you to Hercule. That's kind of my, <laughs> my go-to right. right there. Cause I know that there's, there's an obvious, you know, kind of element um, to that. So, so why don't we just kind of go down the path of the spokes? Let's start with, let's, let, let's start with spoke number one and just talking about like, sure. like main things you want to rule out. So you're a patient, and I'm going to my doctor and I'm going, I want blood work and here's what I want to look at. What are you, what are you ordering? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think just like we talked about deficiencies first. So we're doing like your, your full iron panel that you want to do. Your family doctor should know that if you, if your family doctor, and I, this is a lot of what I, what I see with my patients, if your family doctor is not willing to do it, then maybe get what they are willing to do. And then work, you have to work with somebody that understands nutrition and the interface to health. So you have to, you have to work with somebody that understands functional medicine, naturopathic doctor would be a great one that has an idea with, with concussions. And so they're going to uh, fill in the blanks on the testing. So ferritin, complete blood count, B12, vitamin D, vitamin D is a really common one. Um, other deficiencies are not really well tested in blood cam. So those are the main ones that are like pretty standard. Um, and so that's the first, that's the first spoke. So the second one would be inflammation, which we talked about just briefly, but you know, you want to rule out, is there any sort of major inflammatory disorder that this concussion might've exposed underneath? So I've had lots of patients that all of a sudden their rheumatological markers are high. So like something like CRP, ESR, um, you know, these are two main ones that would come back high and that would tell us there's something else going on that might be inflammatory that you might need a referral to a rheumatologist to address. Uh, and so that's number two on the list. Now I want to differentiate. There is systemic inflammation that, you know, a rheumatologist will know what to do with, but then there's also local inflammation. As I mentioned, there's at the level of the, the actual nerve cell, you can have neurogenic inflammation where you have central nervous system being more inflamed, but you're not going to get CRP and you're not going to get these systemic inflammatory markers elevated. You could have local myofascial or facet joint dysfunction, which could be still inflammatory in nature. We know that a lot of these headaches that people experience um, are to do uh, because of a cervical issue, which this is your area of expertise, Cam. And there is a big inflammatory component to that as well. So that's another, another thing that inflammation will not be picked up on blood work, but will be assessed by um, for example, if I feel better after I take an Advil or an ibuprofen, that's a key sign to me that there's some inflammation that is happening. So a lot of times people, um, 
you know, every piece of information, whether a success or failed treatment gives me information about what a person's experiencing. Cause that tells me that the pathway that they're blocking is called COX-2 and that is a major inflammatory pathway. So if that works for you and it, Oh yeah, it makes my headache get better. Boom. I know that we can really work on that. And I'd rather not do something that also erodes your gut lining. I just, I'm working with a patient right now that they basically had a ton of headaches and they were just popping Advil at max dose for two months. And they had such acute gastritis that they couldn't eat anything. And so I had to basically start at the level of their gut. They had a concussion, but I said, forget about that for a second. We need to just get basic nutrition into you because you have gastritis that's so severe. So this stuff happens out there. So these medications, while helpful in the short term, can have some long-term nasty side effects. So someone that's going to be inflammatory spoke. Yes. Yeah, so, someone actually in the chat was asking about NSAIDs, right? And so I think, you know, we can, you can kind of address that based on, based on sure. what you said, right? Let's Good see. And, what was the question here? Uh, I mean, I just saw it. It was early on. Um, okay. Would NSAIDs help at all for inflammation or are they limited to the, by the bubble and barrier? No. I mean, remember, not everything is all happening at the level of the, the neuron. So there is a lot of things happening. Okay, hold on. This is my soapbox. I'm going to just take a pause here for a second because Preach. a lot of times people get so focused on concussion. And the, this is, remember, Cam and I are two concussion guys. This is what we do day in and day out. But the reality is, is that in PCS, the concussion is not so much the issue anymore. People think my brain is bruised or it's bleeding or it's damaged. In most cases, guys, your neck is the problem much more so than your actual head. And so um, one of the things I often do with patients as I look at their case, I'm like, you know what? I think you actually have a whiplash problem or a post, like we, we have this post-concussion syndrome. There should be post-whiplash syndrome in just as much. So I know you're shaking your head. You probably have a lot to say on that. I just, the more I practice, the longer I practice, the more I realize that head trauma was the initial instigating effect. But then that triggered a cascade of things that have happened. Uh, because um, a lot of other structures are are really problematic that that can become dysfunctional. So that's a big that's a big thing that I just want to get out there and get off my chest because that is something that's I think really limiting a lot of people's benefit. And NSAIDs can help with local inflammation. So if they help, like I mentioned, that can be actually a good thing as a as a key pathway to where we need to go. Um, I was just. I was looking for this while you were talking and I just, I, I found it thankfully, but it's, it's a quote back in 2007 uh, from, from John Letty at the university of Buffalo. And they, for those that don't know, they do a lot of work on mm-hmm. um, autonomic dysregulation and exercise and blood flow following concussion. Listen to this quote. We believe that the accumulating evidence suggests that concussion while initially and primarily a brain injury involves more than just a disturbance of cerebral cognitive function. It is a systemic injury that affects multiple physiologic systems throughout the body. That's Letty in 100% 2000, agree. 2007 was saying wow. that shit. Now we're 2021 here coming to 2022 and we still look at this and everyone's still so hyper-focused on the brain, right? So persistent symptoms, you have to you have to take a look at it as a systemic injury, right? Initially, it's a brain injury. But as soon as you yes. get a brain injury, how soon after, Paul, is it now affecting gut? Three so hours. Three hours. So now it's a brain injury. Within three hours, it's changing your intestinal permeability, which is going to affect how your body responds to the foods you're eating, 
and and your entire inflammatory processing uh, from here on out. If you don't do things to regulate it appropriately, or if you had some underlying issues to begin with, that can kind of push everything out, right? Um, and I think that you know, and we're kind of seeing this a little bit with 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 COVID. I don't want to talk about COVID too much, but like you know, COVID illness tends to reflect kind of your metabolic health as well going going into the disease. And I think with concussion, we see a lot of the same thing. If you have like poor metabolic health, you may not really even realize it or know it. But if you do get a concussion, it, you know, it, it may propagate that and may kind of make those underlying conditions. That's a really good point. I, I actually, I can just thinking back in, I'm hard pressed to even think of one patient that I asked them a lot about their health and health history. And I asked them, how are you, what state of health were you in before you got the concussion? And most people on reflection, when you do some digging, they were like, yeah, you know what? My hormones were really messed up at the time, or I was under a ton of stress. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't eating the greatest. This is exactly what you're talking about. And, 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 and the whole co- post COVID is I think exposing the exact same thing where it's like, you know what? And, and some, again, there's always exceptions to this rule. So this is just, we're talking just in broad strokes here, but in general, the, the people that really go on to experience PCS, there usually is some sort of underlying that metabolic issue that, or structural issue, I will say, and actually psychological issue. We'll put both through the, all three in there that usually is further exacerbated and exposed by this trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, so we got our first spoke. Basically, it's looking at inflammatory markers. It's looking at um, you know underlying deficiencies. So those are the first two. Yeah, right? that's our second one. Yep. Yeah, so now the third two. one's gut, uh, and gut is key in regulating the inflammatory response. But it's more than that. It's also key in regulating your immune response. Seventy to eighty percent of your gut cells are in and around your immune system. Sorry, in and around your gut system. And so these are referred to, if anybody's uh, scientific in the, in the, in the, in the listening crowd, this is your GALT. So this is your gut. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You just, you you said that in a confusing way. Try that again. Okay. So um, 70% of your immune system is around your gut, is in around your gut. And this is the GALT system, the gut associated lymphoid tissue. And so what's Why is that important? Because all of your baby and brand new immune cells, they learn what is friendly and what's foe, what's foreign and what's part of you at this stage in the spleen and in the GALT system. So your immune tolerance is majorly regulated by your intestinal health. And so if you have, and this is why we talk about food allergies and food sensitivities and gut health so much because it's key at regulating this immune tolerance and, and, and further to that regulates your inflammatory response and your hyperactivity reactivity to even your own tissue. This is something I've never mentioned on a podcast with you before, but one thing that's really fascinating that now early research is picking up is that you can actually have an autoimmune reaction two aspects of the blood brain barrier and certain central nervous system tissues that happens right after a concussion. We still don't understand how it fully happens, but what does that mean? Your body's immune system 
systemically, which you never see the central nervous system, it starts actually getting up into that area and targeting it and creating inflammatory response. That is aggravated if you have already a system in your gut that's not tolerant, that already has lots of sense, food sensitivities, that has what's called intestinal permeability. Um, most people have heard of the term leaky gut, but now even like mainstream medicine is now catching on to this term and realizing it has a key role to play in chronic pain, in migraines, in perception and sensitization to certain things. So this is not something that's in the fringe naturopathic communities anymore. This is like a hardcore mainstream science now. There's So there's the term leaky gut, which is, mm -hmm. is, re is reflecting by this increased gut permeability, meaning that the, the lining of your gut is allowing molecules to pass through that normally should not be passed right, through. Exactly. So that, that's what they mean by leaky. Normally you have these these tight connections between the cells that, that don't allow much to pass through other than, you know, small molecular kind of, you know, compounds. And now you're creating increased gaps between those cells. Um, mm -hmm. And that and that's where the leakiness comes in. And there's also this, you know, kind of concept now of leaky gut results in leaky brain. And is that what you're talking mm -hmm. about? Is, is yeah, so next comment I was going to make exactly is that you know what we're what we're now seeing in the research cam is that intestinal permeability also is related to other tissue and barrier permeability, including blood brain barrier permeability. So it's not just that the gut becomes more permeable, the gut lining, also your brain lining becomes more permeable, and that is another way that your systemic health. And your systemic inflammatory markers get up into the brain and now cause havoc in the central nervous system. Now, that normally should go away in a couple of days after a concussion that is uncomplicated and resolves. Remember, 70% of concussion, that's what happens. But what about the 30% of patients and people that go in on to what we can now call PCS? That is another factor. So, how do you heal a leaky brain? Well, the first thing is turn off the inflammatory tap in your gut. So, we have to heal the lining of your gut. What's one of the ways of doing that? Cut out foods that promote intestinal permeability. Gluten and wheat are the, is one of the number one most common ingredients. The more refined it is, the worse it actually is for your gut lining integrity that promotes intestinal hyperpermeability. Refined sugars as well, obviously, like just like anything sugary. refined. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm doing I, I'm doing a live uh, tomorrow with uh, the concussion fix, which is just um, which is really cool because we do we have our course, but then we also have live events that we uh, we basically build uh, knowledge our knowledge base for our for our members. And what I'm what I'm going to talk about is that a lot of people are like in the research they're like, oh, high fat diet increases injury after a concussion. Uh, oh, and they kind of make these broad sweeping statements. But when you drill into the research and you start drilling into realize it's not a high fat diet, it's a diet that's highly refined. And then you can fill in starches, carbs, fats, um, in processed ingredients. It's not just a high fat diet because then you have the ketogenic research showing that there's benefits for the brain. So how does that make sense? Mm -hmm. it's, it's about the refined nature including sugars can. Mm -hmm. So it's like, think of the typical like fast food meal, soft drink, patty that's full of just um, processed ingredients. It's not just meat, by the way, it's, mm -hmm. it's full of extra stuff, tons of gluten, dairy, the bun, the sugar, like you just start adding yeah. it to the list. It's just like a perfect storm for somebody that's uh, brain injured. 
but so delicious though. <laughs> it is, but it makes your brain on fuego. <laughs> I know exactly what study you're talking about because it, it, it says, well, it, the, the title of the study was a Western diet. Western diet, yeah. Western diet, right? So that makes a little bit more sense. But then through all the diagrams, they use the term high fat diet. High fat diet. And then the image that they used was a cheeseburger with French fries and a and a soft drink. It's like right. that's that's I don't I don't know if the fat is the big problem there. It seems to me yeah. it's the it's the sugar, the refined carbohydrates, maybe the fried aspect of a lot of this crap was was I'm gonna be talking about all that tomorrow, Yeah, 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 yeah. good. I'm excited. That. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm actually and that's really a really good point. Session. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Because even in research, like we have to be discerning about what it is, because it's very easy to be like, oh, wow, I should be vegan after uh, basically the conclusion of that. And it's like, yes, eating a plant based diet, absolutely 100% is helpful. But I'll be honest with you, if a person's vegan, and they're in my office with PCS, I can't heal them. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. it's it's almost impossible. Because they're, they're the nutrient density um, and, and more importantly, their insulin sensitivity is, is really problematic uh, in my experience. So while I think in, in an ideal world, if you don't have a if you don't have a concussion or you don't have PCS, you could be vegan. And I might really piss off a bunch of vegans listening to this. But I'm just going based on my clinical experience, Cam. Like I find it really challenging. There's a lot of nutrients that they need. Mm-hmm. A brain needs extra nutrients, not just like in the the ranges it needs higher than normal nutrient levels to optimally heal in my experience so it's 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 difficult for somebody that's that and so the conclusion out of these studies is like oh you know eat a vegan diet where i think that they might improve some of their symptoms but they may actually not be able to fully resolve but um that's a whole nother topic if we want to get into that I, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think that I, I tend to focus more protein and fat than than um, you know, and just avoiding the refined. Stuff. That's the big thing, hundred yeah. percent. Avoid the refined, sh- and then fill in the blank: sugar, starches, and refined ingredients. Like it's not just about the wheat. Like everyone gets really focused on that because that is the main offender. But when you like look at all the other ingredients, also that's found in in those typical wheat containing products, they're usually highly processed. And they also have a potentially neuroinflammatory response in their own right. Like, for example, a lot of wheat also has high glyphosate residues, which is what's Roundup, um, which is the main thing that here in Canada, especially in North America, is used to spray on the wheat to kill it after it's ready to harvest. So it's like a lazy way of doing it that they basically cut out a couple of weeks of it just drying. Anybody that's looked at that's come from like Europe, the old school way of of cutting and harvesting wheat is you have these wheat sheaves, right? You put them together all together in a bunch and have them stacked up in the field after you cut them and let them dry for a couple of weeks. That doesn't happen anymore. They basically just cut it, spray it down with glyphosate. Now you have wheat, which is problematic, but then you have this glyphosate, which in its own right damages the intestinal microbiome. Bingo, bango, you know, it, it makes your inflammation worse because it affects your microbiome. So I mean, that's the other thing that I think a good segue into that third spoke. The second part of that is not just things that irritate your intestinal lining, but it also is to do with the fact that you may, um, you may actually have a microbiome, the actual bacteria that makes up your gut might have been impacted in, in a way that actually impairs your, your, your gut and your brain's ability to heal. Because now we know that your bacteria makeup 
in a healthy person is totally different than an unhealthy person. It's totally different in an obese person, in a totally different in a depressed person. So now we have like a microbiome fingerprint and a phenotype that what is healthy and what's not. So that's, that's just fascinating research as it's coming out, as we're going to be fully exploring what that really means and how we can apply it clinically. Speaking of microbiome, um, how, like, do you, do you assess this in any way? Do you do like stool samples? I know that's becoming a thing now. Um, do you, do you, do you analyze that? Do you ever look at that in patients? I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We do. There's a number of tests we can do that. Um, in like the worst case scenario, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's usually pretty obvious, at least to me that their microbiome is one of their key obstacles. Cause like, you know, most people that are listening to this, that have PCS, they're like, geez, I've tried all what I, what they think is a lot of different things. And, and absolutely they, I'm sure they have, they've been to a lot of different doctors and they're like, I still am not getting better. What's the problem? What's the obstacle? And so one of the major obstacles could be that you have a microbiome that's promoting more inflammation. And that um, a most commonly known one is something called SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which we could do a whole podcast just on that. But basically it's an imbalance of too much bacteria in a place that it shouldn't be. And that can create neurotransmitter dysfunction. Remember 90% of your serotonin comes from your gut. And if you're not, don't have a healthy gut, you're not going to feel happy. You're going to feel depressed. Um, your intestinal lining is not going to be, uh, again, properly tight and adequately keeping the foreign particles out. There's a ton of symptoms that are systemic that are, um, that are related to something like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So that's something that we actually have to, uh, totally recalibrate kill off and, and reestablish good microbiome. Um, we do other bacterial testing, parasitic, um, again, if it's indicated. Mm-hmm. And so we, that, that's a huge area that I think is a big obstacle and it can cause brain fog and fatigue can in its own right. 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 We haven't really talked about those as specific topics, but I think we're, we're hitting the, we're hitting everything that it's, that it's not necessarily just one thing. People might look at neuro fatigue and brain fog. And again, think that it's because they have a brain injury. And I say, I, I tend to, you know, try to reverse that or, or to look through a, a different lens. I say, no, you, you have it because you had a brain injury brain, you know, part is kind of over now. Now it's trying to figure out all the systemic issues that go along with that, right? There may be some underlying mitochondrial stuff as you've alluded to, but it's all stuff that is fixable given the right approach. Um, so it's not like your brain is damaged or that it's, that it's, um, you know, kind of this irreversible thing. In most cases, there are some people that have like frontal cortex issues and, and cerebellar issues, but I would say the majority can, I would, I think both in our clinical practices, the majority of people are not at that level. And then that's something from an assessment perspective, I think that can be, can be sussed out to figure out what actually, if that actually is the case. Um, there's a good question here that I'll just answer in, in the live chat. Uh, difficulty with a gluten-free diet is that it's full of a lot of these stabilizers and ingredients and like gluten-free, you know, pastries and bread. Yeah, totally. But then that still, remember the first principle before we even go gluten-free is no processed. So whole foods, always better than any of these like gluten-free plant-based, um, beyond meat type of stuff, because within that comes a lot of these, you're right, totally processed things. So one of the big principles that we talk about in the concussion fixed diet is that not only is it easy enough to follow, because one of the big things that a lot of people say is like, you know, Dr. Rico, why don't you just put everyone on a keto diet? 
The reason, the reason is, is that most people can't handle that. It's too intense. If you have PCS, you're barely, barely doing your like activities of daily living, let alone asking somebody to feel crappy for two weeks because they have the keto flu and prepare a diet that is totally different from anything that they can eat. So, you know, we have to also have a practical aspect of things. And I understand that a lot of gluten-free things are practical, but it still is processed. So if you are going to go gluten-free, which I think is a, a good idea, as long as that's something that you've talked to, with your healthcare provider with uh, about, then I think you don't replace it with just gluten-free trash. You should replace it with whole foods. And there's tons of whole foods out there that you can, don't have to always be so dependent on grain-based foods in general. So anyways, um, hopefully that answers your question. Hopefully it wasn't too harsh. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's, 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 it's reality. You know, I don't think we have to worry about being too harsh, but I think that, yeah, we, if you avoid, if you make that the number one rule, you avoid the processed. And then secondly, you can start looking at the common pro-inflammatory uh, things. Gluten, you mentioned any other things that people should look to avoid, you know, beyond that. Yeah. There's a, and after that, I would say there's a whole bunch of like very personalized types of things that you can do to, to avoid. So, I mean, like people mentioned like soy was the one I just had a patient right before our uh, today's podcast where they said they avoided um, soy and you know, their migraines went away. That was the big thing for them. So I would say that there's many other foods you can be sensitive to can. Uh, and after that, it requires some testing um, and, and, or, and or trial and error to assess those, but it's not just gluten. I don't want to just vilify that, but that is the one that in the literature and in my experience is the most common reason why you might be, you know, might be experiencing food-based symptoms, but I don't know how many times we've seen in the concussion fix group. Anyways, the group that we have, you know, over, you know, I guess now almost 1500 people that have gone through it. We hear like, wow, I changed my diet and had dramatic symptom reduction in like two weeks. There's no manual treatment and nothing that you can do. No supplement, no drug you can take that has that type of effect. Now, yeah. not everyone did that, but for the people that that is your major issue, yeah. whoa, it's like a major, major yeah. shift. Yeah. It's amazing. This is why I always tell people too. It's it's when they, when they join the concussion fix program, those, they don't know it's an online program. We have Dr. Herkel's in it. I'm in it. We have also a psychotherapist that's, that's in it with us. And we try to tackle concussion in terms of what we call building your foundation, right? We get, we do things like look at repairing your gut, try to change your diet in terms of reducing these inflammatory things and try to look at things like neuro fatigue and calming the nervous system and all that stuff that you need in order to, to, to recover properly. And we have patients. Everything you can do at home, by the way, it's like oh, nothing yeah, yeah. like it's all, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's great yeah. is that everybody can do it. Uh, and it's, it's mainly, I would say even knowledge is power. A lot of people are like blown away by like, I didn't realize that was the case. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I thought I bumped my head on a, on a chair and I got reconcussed, you know, like just like giving them powerful information that they're like, whoa. And that like is so free and cam. Like I, yeah. I, I have to say that's the other big dramatic thing. It's like, especially your sections on just like understanding what's happening in a concussion is just awesome for people to see like, wow, the light bulb goes on. Yeah. Well, so uh, the way it's structured is the first part is just kind of that education. Like what is a concussion? What happened inside the brain and how does it affect the rest of your body? And then the next part is on the mindset kind of mental health piece and learning how to kind of balance the nervous system from a stress response. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the next part is diet. And that's about, that gets you about to the halfway point, right? So it's diet, gut, inflammation, all that stuff that gets you to the halfway point of the course. And, and the program, the average to get there is, is, you know, three or four weeks. But by the time they get to the halfway part of the course, 
the symptom reduction is like these people are almost recovered by the time they pass through diet. Like it's just insane. Just by learning what it is, balancing the nervous system and looking at their diet, it's they, they the recovery mm-hmm. is, 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 is just incredible. And so the amount of people are like, they chalk it up to this. It's such a powerful thing. And I don't think people realize how much diet will impact them. I know that like I, I've, I've seen you as a patient as well. And like, I'm, I have asthma and it's, it's exercise induced asthma. I've had it my whole life and I've never really thought of asthma as being a dietary thing. It's a, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a long thing. It's, I have exercise induced asthma. I've had it my whole life. And every time I go to play sports, I can't breathe and I take an inhaler or whatever. I live my life. And, uh, and then seeing you and you're like, that's probably a gut thing. And changing my diet. It was like, it wasn't even like, oh, by the way, I, I haven't used my inhaler in years now. I, I run. You know, oh, that's, that's great, man. Isn't, isn't that wild? Right. I just yeah. cut some things out. So, um, but in doing that and just changing my diet, I like the first like few weeks I'm walking out of my house in the morning, I'm away to work and I'm just like clear. I'm just like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Like I felt like so clear. I had so much energy. Like I just felt like I had a, a, a leg up on everyone else that was around me. And I'm thinking, man, how many of my concussion patients are currently having this like fatigue, you know, fogginess, concentration difficulties and all these things. I didn't even know I had any of that, but it's like, I was, I was on another level when I, when I changed things. And so I think that's what people need to understand is just how important this is in terms of your neuro fatigue, your brain fog, all this stuff does not mean that you have ongoing brain damage. It means likely that there's some underlying inflammation, metabolic, hormonal issues that have not mm-hmm. been addressed uh that that you should really strongly kind of take a look at and once you address all these things cam you know i'm not saying that there could not be other issues they just have to be looked at so i've, I've had patients that are like yeah i did everything we clean up the diet and i still have issues so i'm like okay great so ne- your issue is not you know neuroinflammatory to do with your gut it has to do with other things so then we say okay we have to look at neck issues and so i would say the third I guess we're, we're on our fourth spoke now. Um, the third aspect and the one that probably we could spend a whole lot of time that we keep saying we're going to spend like a whole episode talking about is hormones. Yeah. Uh, and this is probably, I would say, um, as important as everything we've talked about. They're all equally important. But I would say this one really flies on the radar because a lot of people are like, yeah, I, I can kind of understand now if you're deficient in iron, you, you know, you'd be more fatigued. Or I can understand that you know, if you're eating a food that is causing inflammation, or I just had a patient today that she was celiac, and, you know, she had neuropathy, who, who, who in their right, kind of like typical understanding would think that my neuropathy is to do with my celiac mm-hmm. 50% of celiac patients have neuro neuropathy symptoms, or, or uh, sorry, extra intestinal meaning outside of the intestines, it could be headaches, it could be neuropathy. So, um, you know, the the influence is powerful, but the one that I think also is really important is things like thyroid, adrenal, growth hormone, reproductive hormones. Those, uh, those four areas, uh, on four systems are, can be majorly affected by a concussion, by any trauma to the head. Um, because what we now know is that the, that trauma both from a structural, a blood flow, an inflammatory perspective, and maybe actually at an autoimmune perspective, can be influenced and changed via your pituitary gland, which is your main master hormone gland in your brain that produces all the precursor hormones to all the glands I just mentioned. 
Growth hormone itself, Cam, is produced by the pituitary glands. The most common reason, uh, sorry, most common hormone that is becoming dysfunctional after a concussion. And it's something that rarely is ever run by somebody that is experiencing PCS and a very common reason for brain fog. And it's, it's very difficult to get somebody to run it too. Like I've had, you know, I've tried to get, totally. you know, people to ask their doctor to get it run. And they're like, what do you mean? Why would I do that? You know, and mm-hmm. so you, have to send, know. you have to send a whole pile of literature to them and show them, but yeah, it's, it's very common now. And with, with respect to hormones, is this something that requires supplementation or is this something that can be fixed with diet, sleep, exercise, that type of stuff? Is this stuff you can do on your own to improve these things? Yeah, it's um, that's uh, it's a really good distinction because it depends on who you talk to, you're going to get a different answer. But my fundamental experience and belief is is that if you correct the basic physiology, which is movement, fuel, nutrition, sleep, and like I guess your mental outlook, those like four things that you have to kind of basically do at every moment of every day, then you can recreate balance in a lot of these imbalanced systems. Now, I will say that there are some situations where a person's symptoms are so kind of debilitating or they're so, um, they've been so chronically present that they need actual hormone replacement therapy in, in these situations. So if your thyroid is deficient, you have hypothyroidism, for example, you're, you're going to, you're not going to be able to necessarily supplement your way out of that or uh, change your diet. Now it could over time dramatically improve your thyroid. Uh, but in my experience, it's going to take a really long time. And you're not going to feel very good while you do that as quickly as if you actually were to be like, no, if you're low, let's mm-hmm. replace that. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with your adrenal system. A lot of people like thyroid is a one that is very easily tested by blood work, but the adrenal system is, is not very well tested. Um, you can do morning cortisol levels. You can do DHEAS, um, which is produced by the adrenal system. But most doctors don't typically run that, but thyroid is a common thing run by most family doctors, at least the basic testing anyways. Um, so that is something that you're going to sometimes have a struggle with your doctor to figure out, can I, can I run these? And, and, and even more difficult, it's the growth hormone tests that are required. Um, the other one, the, the reproductive hormones, estrogen, progesterone, prolactin, these are things that can be um, tested even by your family doctor. So that, that those were, I would say after thyroid, the second most like easily accessed, uh, but usually you know, a neurologist or anybody else that has like a quote unquote focus on the concussion will be like, I have, I have no idea why I would want to run these. So I'm not going to. Um, mm-hmm. So that, you know, this might be a good time to do a little bit of Q and a, uh, sure. people specifically, maybe another, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And then, uh, and then we'll call, we'll call it unless you have anything else to add before we do that. Well, I was just going to just conclude about the hormones cam is that like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very commonly missed thing that um unfortunately your 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 family doctor and your even your conventional sports neurology doctors are not going to understand you you definitely what you should uh, the tip i have for you is um try to get as much done through your primary care provider and then ask them to do some hormone testing whether it's like you know your adrenals and i you can say i'm super fatigued that's what we're talking about right now you should try to get some of that testing and then once you have one thing that maybe is found that's off then 
I would suggest that that's when you get the referral to an endocrinologist because the endocrinologist is the person that is going to be able to help you in that. Okay. And, and they're the only ones that could really understand what the situation is uh, in, at least in the hormonal side, they may not understand concussions, but at this point, it doesn't matter about the concussions. It's about you getting help on a hormonal level. Mm-hmm. That's the real key factor to understand. Okay. Um, and then I would say like, this is, we can get into each one more specifically. We'll save that for another time, but let's maybe let's do some Q and A. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, so let's just, let's just kind of summarize this then before we, before we do sure. the, the, the Q and A. So we're talking obviously about neuro fatigue, brain fog, that type of stuff, but obviously these types of things, what we're trying to allude to here is this is a very systemic thing, which may be related yes, to sure. mitochondrial health, may be related to gut health permeability, may be related to your microbiome, may be related to hormone dysfunction, may be related to external stressors, mental health, all of these different things that, that can go into it. So this is where you know, having a clinician to help you or having a program like the concussion fix can help kind of guide you in this direction. But really, you want to find yourself somebody who's knowledgeable on all aspects of concussion, particularly from a functional medicine standpoint, to be able to kind of break this down on this kind of comprehensive level and and look at it from these lenses of like, okay, is there an underlying deficiency that mm-hmm. you want to look at? What type of blood work should be you be looking to get? And if your doctor's not supportive on that, you need to find somebody who is and then now going into you know the other elements that that we discussed looking at inflammatory markers and then you know looking at you know gut health microbiome you know all these other things that 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 can be impacted and so um i mean i mean obviously plug for the concussion fix program because there's a lot of this stuff that that are our members, you know, kind of learn and walk through this program on their own, because not everyone has access to this type of care. But if you if you can find it in your area, that's that's also, you know, great, going to be a huge, huge benefit to you. If you can't find your area, if you go to concussiondoc.io and you click on the concussion fix program, you'll be able to see kind of that. Dr. Herkel's the best place to start right now, Cam. I was thinking about like a lot of people are like, how do I get started? Like in that course, we tell you what tests to run or at least to like to, to ask for, like, we can't type all this stuff out right now as part of this you know, podcast per se, because again, you need to understand some of the things behind, but the reason we designed this course was for people all over the world that can't come see us or somebody like us that is, is able to get started. You can do it on your own pace. You can watch, you know, one video a week if you want it, you know, like it's broken up to small bite-sized chunks. There's, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people that have gone through it that are actively in it. So there's lots of support that way. Um, but it's really driven by the, the scientific evidence that we have so far. It's not just, you know, a support group that people are just throwing random things around. You know, we curate everything there. So there's we there's no room for misinformation. We have no tolerance for that. Uh, and so I think that, you know, that's a great place to start because a lot of things like people are saying, well, so how do I fix my gut and all these you know, deficiencies. It's like, you know, if you start eating the right way, some of these things are, are starting to, um, are going to start healing themselves. That's how you start repairing the microbiome is by eating the right diet. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that that's a good place to start with, with, with kind of addressing everything that we've discussed so far. And then after that work with your primary care provider or, or find a functional medicine, uh, naturopathic doctor or medical doctor that, understands underlying issues that we've discussed today. Yeah, for sure. And I think part of that program as well, it's not just the course aspect, but it's, it's the live sessions. Like you're doing one tomorrow on, on fats 
and how, how fats influence brain recovery. And so everybody in the program, you know, gets access to that, to, to come on live with us, ask us questions, chat as we do it, but also mm. that, that recording lives on there. So you get access to all of our previous recordings and stuff too. So I think it's a for really sure. good, it's a, such a great resource for people and it's been really, really helpful. So, um, Anyway, we'll, we'll kind of end there, but I want to, yeah. uh, I, I know there's been a lot of questions and so sorry, the other one got cut off and we lost a bunch of them, but um, let's just kind of take a look through and see, we'll do this for maybe the next 10 minutes or so. Um, uh, so yeah, there's a couple of them on like what foods cause the most inflammation. Like I think we covered some of them vibes. Uh, you know, I think one of the big issue is um is going to be anything that's processed. So anything that has multiple ingredients in it, if it comes out of a package, if it grows in the earth or it eats plants, like for animals, that's the best, best case scenario. Like, um, let's give you a couple examples. So like in the morning, um, if you can tolerate eggs, which I know, for example, you, you don't, I know that's not a secret. Um, if you don't have a sensitive eggs, you can do, you know, a, a free range organic egg. If you can find it, a couple of those with some vegetables, like maybe two different types of like, you know, like kale, uh, and then you can have like a tomato with that, or, um, you know, you, that's, that's a good breakfast that you can have, or you can put, do a smoothie that you have like a couple of vegetables in it, like as well, you can put uh, spinach in it. You can put like a little bit of mango. Um, you can add in a couple of things like chia seeds, avocado for fast. You want always protein, fat, and fiber, which each one of your meals. So without going through all the individual foods, if you stick to those kind of key parameters, Cam, you're going to be more or less safe. Um, it's really the, the major, other than like the gluten, which we already talked about, the major issues is going to be the you know, the, the, the foods that are most processed. For sure. For sure. Um, I, I hear this a lot. I feel like my doctor wouldn't take me seriously if I asked for a hormone test. I know. Uh, what's your, what's your advice on that? Other than like, you need to find a new doctor. Um, where do you, where do you, where do you go for there? Well, I think that you have to advocate for yourself. A lot of times people, um, they, they get shut down by their doctor because really not that they don't, necessarily care about you. They just simply don't know. They don't know what to ask for. Uh, they, they don't know what to look for. And so when you ask for something, they're going to be like, I don't really even know what to do with this information. So if you're like, listen, I feel like ever since my concussion, you sometimes have to kind of um, frame it in a way that they have to be like, oh, I have to look into that. So ever since my concussion, I feel like my energy is terrible and my hormones, my reproductive hormones, my cycle, if you're a female is off. Um, I get more severe. They're like, oh yeah, you know what? Let's send you to your gynecologist or let's send you to an endocrinologist. Um, I'm not saying make stuff up. I'm just saying you need to frame it in a way that is going to allow them to then not ignore and dismiss your thing. If you just say, doctor, I need you to test my hormones for my concussions. They're going to laugh you out for sure. Mm -hmm. Because they're like, what's that going to do with anything? But you have yeah. to say, I'm so fatigued. Can you check my thyroid? And I also read something about, you know, adrenal function. Can we check cortisol in the morning uh, and your DHEA? Okay, we can do that. Mm -hmm. um, so focus on the symptoms that you have and focus on those rather than saying, I want my whole my hormones checked because Dr. Herkel and Cam have this podcast and said <laughs> I should get my hormones checked. <laughs> Who the yeah. are those guys? Uh, now, that's that's just not going to work in my experience. Yeah, I find that like, and one, one thing that I, I, um, tell patients all the time is that a lot of times there's this like ego element with, with medical professionals, not just doctors, healthcare professionals in general, where there's an ego element. And 
if you say, I, this is what I want, you know, I want you to check this, they'll have, you know, they'll kind of get their back up a little bit and be like, well, why? Like I'm the healthcare professional. You don't get to dictate care. Um, and so a lot of times just approaching it in that way is, is, is challenging just because of that reason. Because That's true. They kind of, they push you aside and be like, ah, I don't, I don't like, you know, I don't want to deal with that patient because they try to order me around and they try to dictate you know, care and it, you're kind of undermining their authority in a way. Right. So you have to do it in a very tactful way. It's challenging. It's tough depending on the, on the practitioner. Yeah. Um, you know, this question has been asked, you know, a bunch by the same person during this episode. So I'm just going to address it, but can <laughs> I get it? Can I get a concussion from getting up out of bed very fast? No, you cannot. So you can rest easy there. Um, here's somebody here, Lexi, uh, biggest component to getting back your energy level. Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, all the things that we've, everything we just talked about. Everything like, we talked about. So it depends it's on not what just one is. component. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lexi, it's not just one thing that's, uh, that's related to that. You could, it, it could be the fact that you have a uh, adrenal dysfunction as that's your major issue. Um, but you have to almost like think of it, not as the main one. What is your main one is the way you should be thinking about it. And that the only way to do that is test quantitative data, check things off the list as you go. Deficiencies? No. Check. Um, do you have any sort of inflammatory markers that are elevated? No. Check. Do you have any sort of gut issues that could be making? Yeah, my gut is totally brutal ever since my concussion. Okay, well, that's an area that I got to dig into more. That could be promoting um, energy issues, that could, food sensitivities. I'm going to assess that. There's blood testing that we can be do that. So your functional medicine naturopathic doctor can guide you through this process, Lexi, and and they're going to find out what your obstacle is. Um, it can be difficult to get groceries from Emma. It can be difficult to get groceries and do the cooking with PCS, but what symptoms can come from unintentionally under eating? Do you have any tips on getting easy calories? It's a challenge. A lot of people find grocery stores actually one of the hardest places to go into because there's lights. And even when I go into the grocery store and I don't have PCS, you know, your head's like on a swivel trying to like find stuff that you're looking for. So it's like very overly stimulating. There's bad lighting too, right? So I, I mean, I think that if you can get a grocery service, first of all, that might deliver to your house, that's a simple thing to do. Then I, mean, I think that would be reasonable. Um, you can choose that online. You can be very judicious with the time that you spend uh, choosing these these groceries. Screen might be a lot easier for you to handle or even somebody else in your household to do that. Um, and then focus on whole foods as much as possible. Like they're, they, quick fixes often lead to kind of quick and processed, un, you know, uh, refined ingredients. Um, if you need to, sometimes a smoothie with those whole ingredients are is helpful. And, and yes, you can do a protein powder that is just like a, if you're okay with dairy, you can do a really great quality whey protein, or you can do, and that does improve other factors like glutathione. Protein is really important. Um, so that's an, that would be another way that I, I would look at it. Um, but anything that you kind of pull out of a box, unfortunately, or put in the microwave or just pop into the oven is going to be more processed. It's going to be harder for you to eat that healthy that way. Yeah. And then her, she had a follow-up comment when you're, uh, when you previously recommend to avoid carbs is mostly gluten or rice and carb heavier veggies too. And I don't, I don't think the recommendation is to avoid carbs. The, the recommendation is to avoid right. processed foods, but also, you know, uh, refined things and, and, you know, gluten tends to be a pro-inflammatory thing. So it's not necessarily avoiding carbohydrates. 
Um, although well, high carbs carb. have carbs in it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm glad that that was brought up because a lot of people just rip on carbs. I'm like if you eat lettuce, there's carbs in that. If you mm-hmm. eat, um, any sort of, um, like root vegetable, there's carbs in that there's some more than others. I think and more importantly, it's foods that have a really high glycemic load and that is how quickly they turn into sugar. Right. So, I mean, you could eat mashed potatoes, which turn into sugar extremely quickly. Um, but you could eat a roast sweet potato with, um, you know, with, with carrots and, um, you know, a slaw, for example, as a side, and, and that will have a very, a much more limited, um, glycemic load. Also the combining of certain foods like fats and proteins with that will decrease the blood sugar spike. You know, one of the things I'll show you everybody here, one of the things that I'm playing around with my patients is something that, you know, that's like, a continuous glucose monitoring, nice. which you can see that, um, that's really the next generation of using technology to see throughout the day, what are my big blood sugar spikes? So when I, when I start doing this with patients, they're like, geez, I didn't realize that, you know, that like snack of grapes after my dinner that I have every day, I'm like, is skyrocketing my insulin. And that's where a lot of this pro-inflammatory stuff that starts happening. So the issue is really about how do we make our insulin and our sugar throughout our day in our bloodstream really um, gradual uh, in terms of its increase and decrease. That's how we know we're eating a really good diet. Mm. Uh, this one is from Joe, uh, Joe, Joe Asia, Joe Asia. Um, uh, have had PCS for over a year, gone from full blown headaches all over to now, uh, localized over my left eye pain and pressure, especially in the mornings. Any suggestions on what's lingering here? Get your neck checked. Uh, this sounds like a cervicogenic headache, especially over the left eye. I would be looking to left suboccipitals, which is this little area right back here. Uh, it could be even down into like levator scapula or some other muscles around, but I would, it's usually a neck related thing, especially if it's kind of in the same spot and it's probably just, you're sleeping on it all night. You're not moving, you know, people chalk it up to like, what kind of pillow should I have? It's not necessarily that, but it's just inflammation tends to pool at night. So you probably have a joint that's inflamed or a muscle that's inflamed. And when you don't move, inflammation sets in and you, and you wake up in the morning with it. So um, I, would, I would look at that. Uh, let's see. Um, this person again, can I get a concussion from sitting up in bed? <laughs> I know. Um, a repeat. Yeah. Um, no, they're persistent. They get a squeaky, squeaky um, wheel. One of them here is how to help your gut healing once you have found the right diet. Do you give extra support with supplements? Um, so once you found the right diet, that's the first step. I'm really glad that that's the first thing that you're mentioning. That will ultimately heal your diet, uh, heal your heal your gut. Um, highly processed, highly refined carbs are really difficult for your gut. Same with highly refined fats. If you're eating barbecue every day that every time you put heat onto fat, it causes damage that happens to that fat. That's what charring is. And that is an inflammatory substance in its own right. You consume it. Yes, it tastes awesome, but doing a roast rather than a a grilled chicken is going to be much healthier for you from an inflammatory perspective. Same with beef. Um, And then, yes, supplements can be super helpful. But again, every single patient I see has come in and they're like, I've tried all these supplements, but you haven't been given the right dosing advice, the right type. You might be trying a bunch of stuff, but it might be doing absolutely nothing because it's the wrong time to take mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So that's where, don't guess, focus on finding somebody that is going to help you in this suggestion. It's kind of like you could Google neck exercises for concussion and you find something online, but 
is it the same as going to see somebody like Cam, even though I don't, you're not practicing anymore, but I'm just saying, yo, you're, you're, you're not going to, you need somebody to be like, I'm going to actually assess your neck. And in this case, an actual, is going to assess your metabolism, find out what the key issue is and start putting you on a plan. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm saying it's better than trial and error and guessing. Well, I think that what people look for all the time is they look for the easy way out, right? How can I continue eating like I like to eat, enjoying the foods I like to enjoy, but can't I just take a pill at the same time that'll give me all the benefit that I want? Can I just take a supplement that's going to repair my gut while I continue to eat, you know, cheeseburgers and French fries? Like, can't I do that? And it just doesn't work that way, right? So supplements are, are meant to be a supplemental addition to what you're doing. And I think that that's where people go wrong. It's like they try to use the supplement as the treatment where they should be using the diet as the treatment and the supplement as a bit of a supporting tool. Um, Supplements work really well when they're administered in the right dose in the right time in the right form. But most cases for people, Cam, in my experience is that, you know, classic one is fish oils is like, you know, the, what are the latest doses coming out for fish oils on the research? Like way higher than what you find in like Costco. Right. Uh, which is where, and so I, I, I do want to make a point that there are some people that have tried supplements and they've changed their diet and they still don't get better, but maybe that supplement is like, Oh, you know what? My, my brother found this like great uh, supplement online. It's like brain extreme and and it's, (laughs) you're supposed to take it. And and it's, it's, has so many good reviews that may help you and but it may not and because you might not be ready to do it like there are mitochondrial specific supplementing uh supplements that help support mitochondrial function but if you're still inflamed if you still have gut dysfunction if your hormones unbalanced you could pump as much mitochondrial support and fuel into it because basically it's like basically like injecting fuel into your mitochondria to help them function better but mitochondria still senses inflammation that's going to be down regulated so I, this is one of my big kind of like things I talk about with patients all the time. It's not just about doing the latest brain booster nootropic that you, you know, might hear on Instagram. It's really about understanding what your key underlying issue is and all the money you spend and the frustration and time it takes. I would just say it's expensive to do it, but just go and get the right advice first before you start guessing for two years and then realize now I'm going to go and see someone like Dr. Herkel because, you know, I'm now fed up and I'm frustrated you know, it would probably be more fruitful if you went to that route earlier. I think people, um, and this is, it just reminds me of a podcast I heard. It's like, if you're, if, if you're looking for a lawyer, you can find a really cheap lawyer, but you're end up going to pay more, right? Because you're going to have to find, you know, that's going to end up costing you more money. It's the same type of thing when people think about, you know, finding the right healthcare professional or, or I'm just going to wing it and do it on for my sure. own. You end up, you know, losing time and everything. It's just, it's better just to, to find the right care path early on. Time, uh, money, all of it. Yeah, and like yeah. people, what, what would you trade for like six months of possibly getting on the right track? Like, right. yeah, that's life, yeah. man. The six months, six months worth of life and time. I think that's that's valuable uh, okay we'll do one more question here yep uh any research with fasting related to helping metabolic oh, that's a good def- question yeah that's why i want to do so this is our last one we'll finish off this is from matthew um denner any research with fasting related to helping metabolic deficiency following concussion this is a great question matthew so there is emerging research showing that caloric restriction does have a beneficial effect on the brain for a lot of reasons we've already mentioned independently shows that it lowers, uh, inflammation markers. It decreases. Um, so it improves insulin signaling and sensitivity. Uh, you know, there's caloric restriction, there's the ketogenic diet, which mimics some of the effects of caloric restriction. 
The challenge with caloric restriction, I think in, in PCS patients is that a lot of them, if they have any hormonal issues, they find that really challenging to handle where your blood sugar already is, is really labile. And so if you have adrenal dysfunction, a lot of people that are like, well, I'm going to start in doing intermittent fasting, or I'm going to just start doing water only fasting. They actually might feel a lot worse. Uh, before they feel better. So you need to have some degree of metabolic stability to be able to do some sort of fasting. But in general, if you cut out refined starches and fats right then and there, and not to mention sugar. So like, you know, if you stop drinking pop and alcohol and all those things are really, really dense in, in energy, but really low in, in nutrition, then you're going to already be down 20, 30% in calories right then and there without even having to skip a meal or anything like that. So um, I think that would be my low hanging fruit to start with that. And then you can look at, you know, oh, I'll, I'll play, I'll, I can get some support with ketogenic diet, or I can play with some intermittent fasting, usually pretty quickly with, with those types of things, you'll know if you are going to feel better right away. You, if you start intermittent fasting, a lot of people will say, you know what, like my brain fog's better when I'm not, when I'm doing this. And so that's, that's a fairly easy thing for you to try to see if you are going to have um, a, be a beneficial effect or not. Right on. Dr. Herkel, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Be sure to check out Dr. Herkel at Dr. Paul Herkel, H-R-K-A-L on Instagram. Anything else you want to plug out here? No, that's it. I think we talked about it. Um, we just want people to get the right information out there. You know, that's the main thing of why I'm doing what I'm doing, why, why you're doing what you're doing. Um, so there's a lot of people suffering from concussion, the number one most common neurological condition in the world. A lot of people don't realize that and they're blown away by that. But I know everyone, um, everyone's heard of somebody, whether they're affecting themselves or whether they've been affected, uh, a loved one close to them, a really, really important thing to understand. So um, thanks for having me, Cam. Appreciate it. Um, and all the work that you do. Right on. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Cheers. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.